So earlier this year, we uh, talked about a vision for what we would be up to this year. And we called it this, walking in the dust of our rabbi. And it's this idea that everything we are called to do in life as a disciple of Jesus is to simply walk in his dust. That was some old uh, old rabbinic uh, tradition uh, to, to phrase what the role of a disciple is, is to walk so closely in line with their rabbi that, you, that if you were to walk through the desert together, that you would get, uh, their dust would get flinged onto your tunic. And, uh, and it's just this beautiful understanding of what it looks like to actually be a disciple, to be near, to abide with, to be close to, to participate with. And so that's been a huge focus for us over this, over this entire year. It's affected the way that we do Bible study. It's affected the way that we do premarital counseling. It has affected the way that we teach. It's affected the way that we've done just about everything. And it's been really refreshing for me, and I hope it's been for you as well, whether you knew that this was a part of the story or not. Uh, but tonight, we're going to have an opportunity to step into the third aspect of what it looks like to walk in the dust of our rabbi, which is our participation with him, that we are called to participate with our rabbi in his work, that we don't just become observers as Christians, as followers of him. We don't go, oh, that's what he's up to. Cool. Uh, we actually are invited in on the story with him when, and, and we flawed human beings get to participate with our rabbi who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we're going to step in this tonight um, in a really special way, at least for me, and I'm trusting that'll be special for you as well. Uh, because here at Mosaic, whenever, uh, ordinarily, when we are walking through, especially a book of the Bible, um, we have our elders as the primary communicators in this space. And so we believe that our elders are called to unpack the scriptures uh, week in and week out. We also hold, though, that there are opportunities uh, in, in some version of irregularity where we can invite non-elders into this space to come and share. Uh, maybe it's based on specific experiences and stories that they have experienced, uh, a particular passion point, or a particular expertise. And tonight, I'm excited because my friend Lindley is going to be sharing, who happens to hold uh, a particular space into all three of those things. She comes with stories and experience, with passion, and uh, with expertise because Lindley serves as a missionary for a crew at Walt Disney World. Uh, she has had the opportunity to experience God both locally and globally. And so it's with that when we were talking about what this week was going to look like that, uh, that her name immediately came to uh, my mind and some of the others uh, as far as like this would be such a powerful opportunity for us to dive deep hearing from her story and her passion and her expertise um, to equip us, to excite us, to challenge us, and to convict us. So with that, would you help welcome my friend Lindley up here? All right, so I'm going to pray over Lindley right now. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for my sister, Lindley, that you have given her uh, wisdom and insight, experiences and passions, that you are working mightily in her and through her, that, uh, that as you have been uh, challenging and convicting her heart as she's been preparing this talk over the last couple of weeks, that uh, you have uh, been um, challenging her heart 
first and foremost, so that our hearts would then be impacted um, because this isn't about Lindley, it's not about me, it's not about Mosaic, it's about you and your people hearing from you uh, in a diversity of ways. So uh, help us to have soft hearts to listen tonight, Lord. Be with Lindley as she speaks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, like Danny said, hi, I'm Lindley, and I'm a deacon here at Mosaic serving on, I don't know, I've served on so many teams here, I've lost count, but I'm also on staff with crew at Walt Disney World, and I've been doing that for the last seven years, and I'm loving it so much that I'm talking about that a little bit tonight. Um, and yeah, that's right. Woo. Um, I was up here a few months ago, and I got to talk about my cat, Shar Shar, so I thought I would do a little update. There she is. I got a new bed, and she loves the sun, and it's really cute, and so I thought I'd give you a floof date. I love talking about her, but if you talk to me for about, I don't know, 30 seconds, you know I love to talk about my cat, and I will just go on and on until I annoy you. (laughs) But something else I really love to talk about is my trips to Bosnia and Herzegovina. And you might be asking, Lindley, what what is that? (laughs) Well, it's a country in Eastern Europe right here, right across the Adriatic Sea from Italy. And it is a country that I just absolutely fell in love with when I got to go. And I went in 2021 and 2022. I actually got to lead one of the teams in 2022. And I found that God was doing something really significant in my heart as I was talking with these people, as I was falling in love with the food and the gelato and the country. Um, But yeah, I just really loved this place. And so I got to go on a summer mission with crew, or we also call them summer assignments. So essentially we follow a college campus schedule. And so we have a summer assignment. So I, my summer assignment was Bosnia. But I was actually kind of forced to going. I actually didn't want to go. So I was going in late July. And so I had the whole summer leading up to this mission trip. And I complained the whole time. You can ask any of my roommates. I was like, I do not want to get on a plane for 24 hours to go to a third world country. Like, I don't want to go. And I was being a bit selfish about it, but I just really did not see the vision of why God was calling me there. But what I needed to do was live in obedience to what he was asking me to do. And so I did that. I went and, like I said, I fell in love with it. And so... I, you can go ahead and pull up some of the photos. So if you have no idea of what the history of Bosnia is, so there was a war in the late, I think, well, it was the early 90s, and there was three people groups involved in this. So there's the Muslims or the Bosnians, the Croatians um, or the Catholics, and the Serbians who are the uh, associated with I think the Eastern Orthodox Church. And so there was a civil war that broke out. And about in a matter of hours, hundreds of thousands of people were massacred. And this brought a lot of devastation, a lot of conflict within this country. And it's ruled by three presidents, actually. And they cannot figure out how to rebuild their country. That's actually a sniper tower. It was an old parking garage, and it was converted into a sniper tower. Um, and you wouldn't go by that place during the war. And so 30 years later, they, they can't figure out how to rebuild this place. 
And so this actually brings about a lot of emotional and physical scarring on the country. And so I spent actually a lot of time in the city of Mostar. And can you pull up Mostar? So this is the Green River. And so it divides the, the country, not the country, the city into two. And so there's one side is the Muslims or there's mosques over here. You can kind of see it. It's very small. And on the other side is the Catholic side. And that's where the cathedrals are. And so you'll see that there's like a tiny little cross up at the top of that mountain. And that actually doesn't mean that we love Jesus and Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It actually is a symbol of the massacre that happened. And they want the Muslim side to see, look at what we did. And so religion is not talked about in this country. It's just, it, it's very taboo. Um, it's a place of hurt. And so I really got to see this happen when I talked with three girls from the universities. So I was on the Muslim campus and I got to see something very unique. Uh, the three of them were best friends and we're going through this picture survey called Solarium. And this is actually taken from the exact same conversation that we had. And they had never heard what each other believed. So we're asking them questions and they, they thanked me halfway through the conversation. And I was like, why are you thanking me? And they're like, none of us knew what each other believed. We don't talk about religion here. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and they were thanking me for even creating a space to talk about who Jesus is or to even talk about religion at all. And I was seeing this happen, and I was like, people are so incredibly hungry to know who God is. They want to know who he is. They want to hear the gospel. And we did actually get to share the gospel with them. They thought it was cool. They didn't accept Christ. Sad. <laughs> I know. But I, had, I was beginning to have many, many more conversations like this throughout my time there. I was there for three weeks. And the more that I saw these conversations and we're having these conversations with these people, God was doing something significant in my heart. And I began to see him teaching me to see the world through his eyes and thus giving me eternal perspective. But what is eternal perspective? Maybe this is a term that you've heard before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've kind of heard it kind of as a, a Christian buzzword maybe. But eternal perspective is about understanding a greater scope of God's story and how our lives fit into it. This encourages us to focus on our eternal God and prioritize eternal goals over the distractions of this world. And actually, in James 4.14, it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We are a vapor in a mist. We are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things of God are eternal. So eternal perspective is obedience to God's bigger picture, not our own picture, but God's picture. And it's also not begrudging obedience, it's willing obedience. And willing obedience comes from knowing God and knowing who he is. And it's saying, I lay my life down before the throne to glorify your name. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So obedience is surrendering yourself to the Lord, denying yourself and your own desires. I'm going to say that again. Obedience is surrendering yourself to the Lord, denying yourself and your own desires. 
But what does God ask us to do with this willing obedience? What does that mean? So we're going to go to maybe a familiar passage, Matthew 28. We're going to look at 17 to 20. And if you have the beautiful blues, we're going to be in, what's the page? 926. There you go. We're on page 926 in the beautiful blues. So I kind of want to set the scene a little bit. If you're not familiar with this passage, essentially, Jesus has just died on the cross, and Mary and Mary Magdalene have come to the empty tomb, and Jesus is not there. And so the angel of the Lord appears to them, and then he's like, go, tell the disciples, gather them in Galilee. And so now they're gathered in Galilee, they're with Jesus, and these are his final words before his ascension into heaven. So, verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And so actually, I want us to pause right there for a second. I think a lot of times we look at this passage and we don't see verse 17 and how the disciples are human. And we see their humanness throughout the Gospels, but Jesus is physically right there and the scars are in his hands and yet they're doubting. Like, isn't that kind of crazy? Like, he's physically there, and they're still kind of doubting. But Jesus knows this, and he goes on to say, verse 18, And Jesus came to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So what's happening here? What is he telling us to do? Well, he's telling us to go, and this is actually a command. This is not an invitation. It is actually a command. He's telling us to go, that God loves you. He's telling us to go share that God loves you and created you to know him, and because of sin and our our ways we rebelled against God, and then Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and then we can respond to him, and then we can know him and respond to his love and forgiveness. He's telling us to go to all nations, all people groups, all your neighbors, all your coworkers, all people, not just a single country, but to go to all people. And then he's saying, teach them to observe all I have commanded you. So in some translations, this actually says, teaching them to obey all of that I have commanded you. And so actually, this is discipleship, right? So it's also known as spiritual multiplication. So in 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So multiply, multiply your faith, teach others who will teach others who will teach others and entrust it to faithful men. And then finally, what does he do? He makes us a promise that he is going to be with us to the end of the age. So if you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And he is empowering you and giving you wisdom. And so what is walking by the Spirit? What does that mean? It means that every day you confess your sins and your shortcomings. And you are surrendering your life to Christ and trusting the Spirit is going to fill you with his power and his presence. So even as we engage with people, when we feel awkward, when we're asking those spiritual questions and we're like, what's even coming out of my mouth? (laughs) I feel like I'm stumbling on my words. He's with you because he promised it. And since it's a promise, he's going to do it. 
and then we just have to rest in that. So this is the greatest invitation from the Lord our God that he has given us to participate in. And he is calling us to live in willing obedience to what his word says. But where do we go? Like the world kind of feels a little overwhelming. It's like, oh, I can't just like hop on a plane every day and like travel from country to country. Like that feels like not good for my wallet. Like I just feel like that's a little expensive. It doesn't feel realistic. <laughs> but I think there's three things that I, when I read the Bible, I think there's three things that I believe that we as believers are always, always, always going to be called to as we're partnering with him on his mission. And so I think those are to go, to give, and to pray. And so for me, I get a little bit of a cheat. I do go around the world, but I go around the world at Epcot. So there's that. Um, <laughs> I get to, I, I'm called to go love and share the gospel with CRPs, with cultural representatives around the World Showcase at Epcot. So I do get to go around the world, okay. But for some of us, we might actually be called to the world. So at Mosaic, we have a lot of global partnerships. One, the Mapenzis in Malawi, they are reaching a village of people that do not know the gospel of Jesus. And then I think of Sully and Lauren, who are in South Asia, who are reaching an unreached people group. And then we also have our brand new partnership in Paris, in Disneyland Paris, that's reaching Disneyland cast members, uh, Disneyland Paris cast members with the gospel. And then maybe you're in the space where you're like, I need to discover, I need to begin to discover what God's mission is for me. And so maybe it's your neighbors. And maybe God is asking you and challenging you to step into a deeper relationship with your neighbors. And it's more than like saying hi as you're taking in your groceries. Or maybe it's your coworkers. You know, you have that one coworker that doesn't, has like a deep past with church hurt or something. And you need to ask why and get to know them better. So in some capacity, we are all called to go. And the question is not if we are called to go, but when and how and where. Giving. We are all called to give to our local church, to missionaries, to missionaries that are being sent to unreached people groups, to Bible translators, to our local church. We are called to give our financial resources to the Capital C Church to allow the mission to be furthered to all the nations, to reach the corners of the globe. And then prayer. Prayer is simply talking with God. And as we pray for the world, God then changes our hearts to reflect more of his. And we see this happen when we go to him at his feet and we get to see God do really amazing and incredible things. We get to see him change lives. He, we get to him to see him transform our own life, my own life. And so I really did not want to go to Bosnia. <laughs> um, I was just so in my own world, I guess. I just really wanted to stay with my cat <laughs> and my bed <laughs> or like do ministry around Disney, my comfort zone. Sometimes not always my comfort zone, but <laughs> it felt like that at the time. And I just did not want to get on a plane but I needed to live in obedience to what God was calling me 
to do that summer. And something I noticed as I came back was I began to have this new heart for evangelism. Actually, it became my favorite part of my job. And yes, I know, I signed up for crew. That's my job. I was supposed to love evangelism. I didn't. Full confession here. I I really didn't. And I I just, I loved anything but that. And so (laughs) I was scared. And so I began to see that God was putting me in particular places where I was being called to share the gospel with people. He was opening my heart to seeing internationals, to building all of these relationships. I had so many relationships, I was overwhelmed. I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. Just this year, I've seen five people come to know the Lord. Just this week, I was with my team at Epcot, And we learned that we have about one connection in almost every country around the World Showcase. Like, you can't tell me that people aren't open to this. Like, people want to know who he is. They want to know our Lord and creator. And so God continued to teach me that, and he's continuously teaching me that. I want to close with a recent story of one of my newest friends. He is a European cultural rep from Epcot, and he grew up in the church in Europe. He felt unwelcomed by his community for various reasons and stepped away from the church. And he, yeah, he, didn't, he wasn't interested in God. And so last fall, my friend Ben got to meet him and began a deep friendship with him as they talked through the Bible, spiritual things, the gospel, what have you. So fast forward actually to a few weeks ago, so years gone by, Ben invited him a little last minute to our fall retreat. And if if you don't know what fall retreat is for us, CPs come from around the globe, from around the U.S. to come to this day-long retreat that we have for them where they get to be built up in their faith. We have main session talks, food, fun, games. It's really fun. And so my coworker Carla was giving one of the main session talks on surrendering your life to Christ using the analogy of Encanto. It was really fun. I had to throw that in there. Um, But she did such a great job. But at the end of the talk... He said, the cultural rep, he said, I feel challenged to give up sin. Like this guy from post-Christian Europe coming to Disney on the college program felt that he wasn't unwelcomed by his community at his church, doesn't believe in God, is challenged at this fall retreat to give up sin. Like that's kind of wild, is it not? And now, after all of that happened, he and Ben planned to meet virtually to go through the book of Luke as he returns home. (laughs) Like wild things are happening. This is crazy. And sometimes I think the people that we think are the most unlikely to hear the gospel are really just the first ones in line to know who he is. I want to invite the band back up. And I kind of want to just think about this for a second. I want to sit here. I think we're so quick to ignore opportunities. We get too scared of them. We think we're going to be awkward, et cetera. And I was actually talking about this with some of my college girls 
at the same fall retreat, I was going through what's called a Knowing God Personally booklet training, which it's a gospel resource to help clearly communicate the gospel in four points. And I'm training them on how to go through it, bring somebody to a point of decision to follow Christ. And they were like, I just feel so awkward. Like, I don't want to go through this. Like, this just feels really clunky to me. And one of the other girls in the same conversation, she said, oh, I accepted Christ about a year ago using this book. And somebody asked, well, did you feel awkward in that conversation? And she was like, no. Of course she didn't feel awkward because she's just wanting to know what's on the next page. Like she just wants to know who God is and how she can be in relationship with him. Sometimes it's just saying, I'm out of my comfort zone, Lord. How will you use me today? Like it's okay to feel awkward. And he's going to do that because he's going to show up. Because he said he's always with you till the end of the age. And because when we live in willing obedience to who God is, we're going to see him do incredible and big things. He's going to change lives. He's going to see people go from death to life. Marriages healed, friendships reconciled. People finding true joy in who he is and our good, good Father. And so, how is he calling you today? How are you being invited by the Father? How are you being maybe called up? What steps of faith is he asking you to take to be a part of reaching every tribe, tongue, and nation? Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your spirit, that you empower us, that you are with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. I thank you that we get to even share your gospel with the world, Lord, that we get to participate in this mission that you have called us to. Lord, I just pray that you would give us the boldness to speak, that we would not uh, look to pleasing man, but rather that we would look to glorify you. And God, I just thank you for who you are and for where you're calling us. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>